Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here tonight. Colossians chapter 2 is where we'll be. Tonight we'll be looking at, Lord willing, tonight we'll look at two verses. I'd like to start at verse 13, and then we'll read to verse 17. The name of the message tonight is Shadows and Substance. Shadows and Substance. Colossians 2, 13 to 17. And you, this is the Colossian believers, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So this is the Colossian believers' state before they're regenerated, before they're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now this is a fact, the stated fact, that Christ has forgiven if you're one of his sheep, you have all your trespasses forgiven. It's not a maybe. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. This he did, beloved, for his people. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's the verse we looked at last week. Let no man therefore, here's tonight's verse 16 and 17, let no man therefore, so, so because of 13, 14, and 15, because of what Christ has done for his people upon the cross, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So last week we looked at verse 15. And we saw how our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has vanquished our enemies at the cross. He's vanquished our enemies. Satan is defeated. Sin is defeated. The law of God is fulfilled. The wrath and God, justice of God is turned away from His people because Christ bore that wrath and bore that justice in, his, in the place of His people. And we saw also the week before that the ordinances that was against us, the debt that, that, that demanded to be paid, right? the soul that sins that must die, Christ dies in the room in place of his people. He is, the, he is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a great God we have. What a great Savior we have. Our sins are imputed upon him. And, and, and His righteousness is imputed to us. My, oh my. What a Savior. And we see, we, we, we saw that we were dead in trespasses and sins and that our understanding was darkened and the Holy Spirit's quickened us. He's regenerated the believer in Christ. And we're born again. Regenerated by His mighty work, by His mighty power. It's, this is a work of God, not a work of man. This is a work of God. And He's given us an understanding. He's given us an understanding of who He is, who God is, who Christ is. And He's given us an understanding of what we are. What we are. Sinners. See, a lot of folks think that sin's something you do. Sin's something we are. <laughs> it's a nature. And then we, we realize that and we flee to Christ after He's revealed to His people and we flee to Christ. And the reason we flee is because we're born again. 
We're born again by the Holy Spirit. Salvation's of the Lord from beginning to end. So let us remember this also that because Jesus Christ, who is our conquering captain and our great king and our redeemer, because he has defeated, defeated our enemies, he can say to Satan, who, the strong man, remember we looked at that, he's the strong man in scripture, who holds us by his power. Christ can say to him, loose him, loose him and let him go. And Satan must release his hold upon us. He must. He must. The prince of darkness must flee when God commands the light to shine in our hearts. He must. He must release us. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1.13. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of, of his dear son, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us also consider this because Jesus Christ has perfectly honored God's holy law for us and fulfilled all, all the law's demands in our place. And by laying down his life for us, Christ has set us free from the bondage of the law. We're set free. We have, we have such liberty and such freedom. I don't think we can really grasp it. But he has set us free from the bondage of the law. He, he set us free from the curse of the law, from the dead letter of the law. And let us consider this before we look into our text. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And let us consider this before we look into our text tonight. In John 8, 31 and 32, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ proclaims this. The Master says this. Look at John 8, 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth. John 8, 31 and 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The sovereign power of our Lord Jesus Christ is what sets us free. And God the Holy Spirit, by His power, He enlightens our minds through His Word, through, as we read His Word, as we hear His Word preached. He teaches us. And we know the truth because we're taught of God. And the truth makes us free. It makes us free. He regenerates us and grants us faith to believe the gospel, to believe on Christ. And then when these truths are preached, we grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of our wonderful Savior. And, and we, we, we learn more and more just what He's freed us from. My, what darkness we were in, beloved. We were held captive by the power of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He's turned our hearts and minds away from religious lies. Those of us who came out of religion. He's turned our hearts and minds from religious lies to Christ. To Christ. So let's look at our text with that in mind that, that ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.
Now, as I said, we have to look at 16 and 17 with it keeping in mind that 13, 14, and 15 because it says, let no man therefore. So we need to look back. There's a therefore. We need to look back. And so what Paul's doing, he's saying, he says in verse 10, you're complete in Christ. Then here he says in 13, you're, you're, you've been quickened together and all your sins are forgiven. And, and the handwriting of ordinances, verse 14, that was against us is, is blotted out. And Christ has won the victory over principalities and powers. So let, there, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. So tonight we will look at the shadows and the substance. Now the shadows... A shadow is defined as unsubstantial. And it vanishes. Think of this. The shadow vanishes when that which is the substance, that which is real and solid, or that which is perfect, comes before us. Either in Scripture or in real life. The sun goes down and the shadow vanishes, but the substance, the real person, is still there. And a lot of times, if the sun's hitting a certain way and you're waiting for somebody and there's something blocking, sometimes you see their shadow before you see their substance. And think of that as we look at this scripture tonight. We see that the substance in verse 17 and the shadows in verse 16. So let's look at verse 16 first. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. And again, it says, let no man. Notice it says, let no man therefore judge you. So, think of this. If we know, beloved of God, if we know that we're complete in Christ. If we know that we're complete in Christ, verse 10. If we know that He's quickened us together with Him if we're born again, if we know that, that all our sins are forgiven, which we see in verse 13, if we know that He's blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us, that He took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross, which we see in verse 14, if we, if we, if we know that, that Christ has defeated all our enemies, and we are not to let man judge us in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of a new moon, or of a Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. Shadow. The false teachers here before us in the book of Colossians were trying to bring Christ's blood-bought saints back into bondage under the law. And, and they were trying to yoke them about with ceremonies, and with days to observe and, that, and to abstain from certain meat or certain drinks. They were, they were yoking. These false teachers were yoking the Colossian believers or trying to, trying to yoke them back under the law. And think of this, most of them had never been under the law. They were Gentile believers. So you have these, you have these Judaizers and, and Hendrickson says this. Hendrickson says this. I thought this was a really good point. He said, Here before us, the Jewish aspect of the Colossian heresy stands out real clear right here in this verse. 
because it says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. So we see a, a, the Jewish aspect of the Colossian heresy right here before us. The false teachers, some commentators said the false teachers even seem to have taken it further than what the Jews did. Further than what the law says. Because they're passing judgment upon the Colossian church with respect not only to eating and drinking, but holy days. And, and they've imposed restrictions upon certain days, upon certain festivals, the Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of the Tabernacles. They're, they're trying to yoke them again back under the law. In Hendrickson comments here, there is evidence that this was a distinctly ascetic tendency. The main purpose of placing such stress on all the regulations was to convince the Colossians that strict observance was absolutely indispensable to salvation. Or, if not to salvation, at least to fullness. So, so what Hendrickson's saying here is that, that, that the false teachers were saying, some of them were saying, you had to do this to be saved. Or they were saying you had to do this to have a, a full to be, to be full in Christ, to be complete in Christ. Do you, notice, do you notice how the attack Paul did with verse 10? You're complete in Christ. So now we start to see Paul using again the all-sufficiency of Christ as a counterattack to these heresies. And he does it all through... You, you read his epistles, he does it all through his epistles, beloved. He constantly is doing this, putting forth Christ all the time. All the time. Matt and I were talking about the message I preached, I, I think was the, one of the first times I was out here, about the musical tuning fork in, in, in First Corinthians chapter 1. And, and, and we know that, that Corinthians is a book where, where Paul's writing to correct some errors that are going on there. But if you, if you get home, read that chapter if you can. Because in that first chapter, you just see Christ, Paul mentioning Christ, so before he even writes about any kind of error, before he writes to correct anything, ting, ting, he's, he's just chiming Christ to get their minds focused upon him before he does any kind of correction. You see, this is, a, this is something Paul does all the time through, through his writings. He constantly, he, we saw him do it in chapter 1 too, gets their minds right on Christ, right on him. Because that's where, we, that's where we're going to get refocused. That's where, we're, that's where our eyes should be. Like I always say, when I get in trouble personally is when I get my mind off Christ. and I get my eye on a circumstance or, or, or something. Oh, Lord, I need to keep my eyes on you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> like we were talking, Brother Newell, even last night. You, no one, you didn't know what was going on, but, well, I know who's in charge. I know who's the one who... The Lord's... It, it'll come out however he disposes of it. However, he decides to have it come out. And it will. And it did. And it did. And whether, whether one candidate or another had been elected, it would have been God's doing. And we were resting and trusting in that. Now, I mentioned the word, what Hendrickson said, this, this was a distinctly ascetic tendency. This, this Jewish aspect of the Colossian heresy. Now, Hendrickson commented the false teacher's error in regard to this verse was a, of, of an aesthetic tendency. And, and when I give you the definition, you'll recognize what it's all about. You'll recognize right away. I had to look the word up. 
Um, the definition of aesthetic is this. It's characterized by or suggesting the practice of severe self-discipline and, and to abstain from, from all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. So, do you, you see the parallels here? Catholic Church says to their priests, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. To the monks, the monks beat themselves. Luther used to whip himself and do all kinds of stuff to try to gain merit and favor with God. It's that same kind of thing. It's that same kind. See, there's nothing new under the sun, beloved. Solomon wrote that, didn't he? There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Nothing. It's the same error going around and around and around. So the false teachers were similar to the monks which we had of old and even today. There's some people who still, who still live lives where they're abstaining from certain things because they're, they're getting closer to, to whatever whoever they worship, which we know is a false god. But they're making themselves twofold the child of hell. But see, there's nothing new under the sun. So, so these false teachers were, were living a life of severe discipline and, and abstaining from all forms of indulgence. And thinking, all along thinking, oh, I have a deeper walk with God, or I have a deeper walk with, I don't know, whoever they're worshiping. But yet, they don't know the God of the Scriptures. And these, these specific false teachers claim to know Christ or claim to they claim to know him but they weren't known of him and they're part of the ones who he says depart from me you workers of iniquity I never knew you the Catholic Church is a good example of this kind and they, they have all kinds of things that you can do and can't do the priests and, the, and their monks and and all kinds of they have all kinds of things. The charismatics sometimes say there's certain sects of charismatic groups that say Vicky ran into a few of them way way back before uh, years and years ago, probably what 20 years ago, you know, but that. And some guy told her you had to speak in tongues to be saved. Uh, they're just adding. They, they don't they don't know they don't know the Lord. They don't know Christ. They don't know their. Anyone who says you have to add something to, to Christ, they, they have no idea who Christ is. No idea. Some Baptist churches put all kinds of rules and regulations upon people, yoking them under bondage. But we who are in Christ, beloved, are free. We're free. Now the Holy Spirit will convict us, and we know. We know there's certain things we can do and certain things we can't do. We know that. We get convicted of our own sin. And, and you know, when, when we preach the liberty that we have in Christ, some folks say, well, man, if I believe like that, I'd do whatever I want. No, you wouldn't. Not if you're a believer. Not if you're a believer. I've never heard a grace preacher say that you can sin all you want. But they, they lay that claim upon us. I ain't never heard one grace preacher yet. Never heard it. Never. Never heard one grace preacher say you can live however you want. I, I've heard a lot of them say, and I say it too, that we're free in Christ. Well, we are. The love of Christ constrains us, beloved. 
The love of Christ constrains us. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. We see here Paul writing what he's, what he's written what he's written in other epistles about the yoke and the believers under the law. So keep this in mind, the verse that we, we're looking at tonight, which says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of a Sabbath days. So look at Galatians chapter 5 in light of this verse. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Stand fast. The believer is to stand fast. What are we to stand fast? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Remember he said in, in John that we know the truth and the truth will set us free. Christ is the truth. He's the truth. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, see these, these false teachers were trying to, to yoke the Colossian believers. Trying to yoke them under the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So again, Paul's dealing with Judaizers here in Galatians. For I testify to every man that is circumcised that he is debtor to do the whole law. My, we know, we know from James, if you, if you don't keep the whole law, if you, if you offend in one point, you, you, you're guilty of it all. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you is justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. By love. So let's go back to our verse in 16 in light of what we've just read there, the freedom that we have in Christ. And Paul says to the Colossian believers, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. So the false teachers who were unbelieving Jews during the apostolic age were, were trying to bring God's, God's blood-bought enlightened saints, those who had been made free, from the bondage of the law, from the dead letter of the law, they were trying to bring them back under the law of Moses. And not only would that have put them into spiritual bondage and into the spiritual bondage that they'd been delivered from, but it would have put them into a state of misery. It's awful to be under the law. It's awful. As they would have been entangled by the yoke of bondage, as Galatians 5.1 says. So if they had have went back under that, they'd be in tank. That's why Paul was writing that. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stand fast in the liberty. We're with Christ. It's Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now we have the same kind of false teachers among us today. They're all over. There's some that practice checklist Christianity. And if you don't follow their checklist, if you don't follow their checklist, they proclaim you either lost or a heretic. And, it, and it's all according to their own work views. They become, they become a law unto themselves. And we have others who, who try to yoke people under the law, under the Ten Commandments. They make statements like this. They make statements like this. Without the Ten Commandments, 
You have nothing to guide you in respect to your moral life. You must, you must think you can live without any rules and regulations from God. We need his commandments or we will live in constant rebellion against him. They make statements like that. So let us, let us consider this. You know, like I say, it's the love of Christ that constrains us. I can't keep the Ten Commandments. Can you? But praise God, the Lord, the Lord kept them for me. Now, now, this is a question too. Norm Wells and I have been talking about this. We, we both don't believe the Holy Spirit will ever lead you contrary to that. None of us want to break them. Well, Brother Neil, do you sin more than you want to? Anyway, yeah, me too. I don't want to sin. I don't. But that's, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven me for all my sins. You too, brother, all of them. They're all paid for by the precious blood of Christ. And, and one day we won't sin anymore. What a glorious day that'll be. So here Paul is, he's, He's contrasting the truth he proclaimed in verses 10 and 15 with the false teachers who are saying you can only drink certain things or eat certain things and you must observe certain things, certain days, certain ceremonies. And then they, de- they determine that you're saved or not. Well, I'm saved in Christ. Paul, Paul is here in this epistle, continuously putting before the Colossian believers and before us as we study 2,000 plus years later, he's, and, and, and have you noticed how he's constantly putting before us the all-sufficiency of Christ? Constantly. There's a constant contrast going on. The teachers are saying, the false teachers are saying, you need to do this. And Paul's saying, no, you're complete in Christ. <laughs> My my. And, and like I said, keep that in mind when you're reading other epistles because you'll see Paul doing that. He's constantly attacking works-based religion in the epistles. So these false teachers, these false teachers who say that you must observe certain things and, and, and that they determine you to be saved or, 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 or they have to teach you something for you to be, you, you to be complete in Christ, Look at verse 10. What a verdict against their teachings. Look at verse 10 in in chapter 2. And ye. I can say, Wayne. Wayne, you're complete in him. Which is the the head of all principality and power. I'm complete in Christ. And ye. Me. A saved sinner. We can... We who believe, that's speaking to us. So that's why Paul is bringing that before them, saying, look, you're complete in Christ, before he deals with the error. And, and saying to them, don't let any man, don't let any man yoke you under bondage. Don't let him do that. The believer is complete in Christ, who is the all-sufficient who is the all-sufficient one. Let no man judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. 
Beloved, we're under the new covenant of grace. We're under the new covenant. Not the old covenant of works. God has put His, His law into our minds. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 8. God's put His law into our minds. He's, he's written them on our hearts, beloved. He's written them on our hearts. See, religion and false teachers, they want to yoke you so bad. They yoke you and, and then they get power over you. But we're free in Christ, beloved. How do you know if a man's preaching truth? Is he preaching salvations in Christ and Him alone? Period. Plus nothing at all? Nothing. Nothing, not a thing you do. Salvations of the Lord. I had some guy say, yeah, but, yeah, but we make a decision. I said, I'd never make a decision unless the Lord made me willing. I'd never come to Christ unless the Lord made me willing. And praise God he did, or else I never would have saw them. Now, did I run to him? Absolutely. Because he made me willing in the day of his power, by his Holy Spirit regenerating me. And look at Hebrews 8, verses 10 to 13. Look at this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God. And they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And, and we know this is speaking of the church. Look at this. And their sins and iniquities. Well, I remember. No more. No more. No more. In that he saith a new covenant. There it is. A new covenant. He hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. So don't let any self-righteous religionists yoke you back under the law. Tell them, tell them that the Lord Jesus Christ, tell them this, say, the Lord Jesus Christ is my great shepherd. And he's redeemed my soul with his own precious blood. And he paid fully for my soul. And he fulfilled the law in my place. He's my shepherd. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. And it's by His Holy Spirit which He's given to us. And He leads us in the path of righteousness for His sake. For His sake. The Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17. The Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace Enjoy in the Holy Ghost. In light of this verse before us, let us consider the words of the Master who said not that... Look at, look at our verse again. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, right? And then listen to the Master in Matthew fifteen eleven. Not that which goeth into the mouth defile the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth this defile the man. Not that which goeth into the mouth, not, not meat or drink, but that which cometh out of, a, out, of a, out of the mouth, this defileth a man. 
First Timothy says this, There are false teachers who will command us to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now, Brother Tim and I were talking about this on the weekend. We, we, we must be careful. We must be careful not to offend a weaker brother with our liberty. With our liberty. If a weaker brother stumbles over something, do not do it in their presence. Do not. Do not. Our text is very clear on this too. Look at this. Uh, that, that we... We're not to let men judge us, though, in meat or drink. Look at this. Let no man, therefore, judge you in, in meat or drink. And, and we know from Scripture that moderation. Moderation. Right? Moderation. But we're not, to, we're not to let man judge us in meat or in drink. Our text continues. Let no man, therefore, judge you in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or the Sabbath day. Holy day or feast such as the feast of the Passover, the feast of the tabernacles, the feast of Pentecost, three annual feast days which were considered holy and every Jewish male was required to attend those holy days. The new moon occurred monthly which the Jews were obligated to attend. Religious exercises were performed which included the offering of certain animal sacrifices plus food and drink offerings. And this is all found, if you want to study it later on, it's found in Numbers 28, 11 to 15 for further study. The Sabbath days included the weekly Sabbath, Saturday. The Sabbath of the land, which was one year and seven. And the Jubilee Sabbath, which was one year and fifty. But beloved of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. He's our Sabbath. Not a day. Christ is our Sabbath. And we're in Him every day of the week. And He's the Sabbath of the land of the righteous. He's our Jubilee Sabbath. He's fulfilled them all. Our Lord has set the captives free. He's taken care of all our debts on Calvary's cross. His blood was shed to pay for our sins. He's the perfect spotless Lamb of God. We've heard the joyful sound of the Jubilee trumpet. Christ himself speaking to us under the preaching of his gospel. And he calls his sheep by name. By God's grace and by his power working in us, we've ceased from our own works. We realize, don't we? The Lord's showing us we can't be saved by our labors. We can't be saved by our efforts. There's nothing we can do to gain merit and favor with God. Our rest is in Christ and Him alone. He's our salvation. He's our everything. So therefore, let no man judge you in respect of unholy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. Look at verse 17 in light of verse 16. Which are a shadow of things to come. 
but the body is of Christ. I'll read both verses again. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. A shadow, according to Vines, shadow is an image or an outline cast by an object. An image or an outline cast by an object. And these Old Testament shadows were an outline, an image of things to come. These, these holy days and the new moon and the Sabbath days were all pointing to Christ. All the sacrifices, they were shadows, types. The body. Look at our scripture again in verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. The body, the substance. Remember, the shadow is just an outline. The substance, beloved. The substance of all those shadows and all those types is Christ. But the body is of Christ. All those types, all those Old Testament types and shadows prefigured him, prefigured Christ. Let's look at some of the types and shadows and then the substance which is in Christ. The one foreshadowed by Israel's manna. The one foreshadowed by Israel's manna, right? The bread. Is offering himself as the bread of life. The Passover. How can the Passover, the observance of the Passover, be considered a mean, a means unto spiritual perfection? How can that be? Those teachers were teaching that you had to observe those days. How can that be when Christ is our Passover? He's our Passover. And He's been sacrificed for us. What justification could there be for imposing the Jewish Sabbath upon, upon believers in Christ who here before us in our text are converts from the Gentile world? What justification would there be in, in, in yoking them under the Jewish Sabbath when the one who brings us rest, the one who is our Sabbath, is Christ? Turn, if you would, to Matthew 11. Christ, and, and, and think of this, the one, who are, the one who is our Sabbath is urging sinners to come to Him. Look at, and to come to Him for rest. Look at this, Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Christ, who is our Sabbath. Look what He says in in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Remember, He's the Sabbath. He's our Sabbath. He's our rest. Come unto Me, all ye that labor. Oh, are you, are you heavy with the burdens of works? And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take, take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Oh, the condescension of Christ. 
and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So we find rest from our labors. In verse 28, look at that. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There's rest from works-based religion. There's rest from your works trying to self-justify yourself. And then look, look, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. There's rest for your soul. And it's only in Christ who's our Sabbath. It's only in Him. So we see how Paul says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or the Sabbath days. Because those are just shadows. Those are just shadows. Oh, beloved, the Old Testament ceremonies and circumcision and feast days and sacrifice, they had a purpose. But they're just shadows and symbols of Christ and His redemptive work. They were only in effect until He came. They were only in effect until He came. Until He died upon that cross. The Lord Jesus Christ, oh, He's the truth. He's the body. He's the substance of all those types and shadows in the Old Testament. And to think of this, think of this, to continue in them, like those false teachers were saying, like in Galatia too, where the, where the Judaizers were saying, you had, to, you, had to, you had to be circumcised, you had to do to continue in those ceremonies, to continue in those, those shadows, is to say that Christ, who is the fulfillment of them, to say that he's not all sufficient. And these false teachers were denying the all sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ by trying to yoke believers who were all their blood bought saints, trying to yoke them back under ceremonies and laws. And you can do this and you can't do that. And like I said, remember this. They're always the ones who's telling you what you can't can do. My, the gospel preacher says, look to Christ. He's our rest. He's our rest. Our only hope's in Him. Our only hope's in Him. When I lived in Canada, Vicky and I exchanged pictures of each other. We sent, we, back then, the, the internet was in its infant stages and there was no texting or the cell phones were highly expensive. Only people who were wealthy had cell phones back then and everything. And so we sent pictures through snail mail, they call it now, but which was just the mail. So we sent pictures to each other through the mail. And though we were thousands of miles apart, sometimes during my days at work, I'd take out, I'd take out a picture of Vicky, and I'd look at her picture and think that Oh, one day we'll be together. We were engaged then, and I was living up in Canada. And, and I knew that we were going to get married, but it's still the waiting. And there's all that distance separating us. So I'd take out the picture, like I said, and I'd look. And I was in love with her, so still am. So it's, you know, I, you're anticipating being with the person. And when I came down here to live and we were married, 
the picture that I looked at, each day I put in my wallet. Because I didn't need to look at that every day anymore. The picture was like a shadow. Now that I was with her, I didn't need the picture anymore. Because I was with the one who the picture portrayed. I was with the substance, not the shadow. And I'm sure Brother John, when he was on the boat, um, during during the Gulf War, he had a picture of all of you. I'm sure he did. And when he came home, he put it away. <laughs> oh, my beloved, which are a shadow of things to come. So all those Old Testament types in shadows pointed to Christ, who is the substance. Beloved, Jesus Christ has come. He is the body. He's the substance of all those Old Testament types and shadows. We have Him. We have Him. And if we have Christ, we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Jesus Christ is our meat. He's our meat. He's our heavenly manna. He's the bread of life. We feast upon him, don't we? We feast upon him when we read his word. We feast upon him when, when we hear the gospel preached. It's, it's food. It's sheep food. The gospel's sheep food. We love the clover of the gospel. That's why we can't hear anything else. And he's our, the Lord Jesus Christ is our drink. He's a living water. Once you drink from that well, you don't want to drink from any other well. And he's, he's the water of life that quenches our, our spiritual thirst, beloved. And we hunger and thirst after righteousness, don't we? And Jesus Christ is our eternal holy day. He's our eternal Sabbath. He's our eternal rest. So let no man therefore judge you in respect to those things which are only a shadow of things to come. We have the substance of those things, beloved. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have Christ. We don't need the types and shadows anymore. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let me close with this. We've seen all through our study, I was thinking about this today, as we went through this study, we've seen the all-sufficiency of Christ all through it. All through it. But we've also seen another thing through this whole epistle so far that I believe we've seen. We've seen that Christ must have the preeminence. And, and we even see Paul bringing it forth here. Those types and shadows don't get the preeminence. The, the substance gets the preeminence. And the Lord Jesus Christ is first in all things, isn't he, beloved? 
He must have the preeminence. Think of this. He has all authority in heaven and all authority in earth and all authority over all we see and all we don't see. He has all authority in, in, before he, he, all authority in heaven and earth. And, and think of this. He has all the glory before time and, and in time and after time. He's going to receive all the glory in eternity. Remember we saw on the weekend, he won't share his glory with anyone. No one. He gets the preeminence. Think of this. We're going to rise from the grave because he rose from the grave. Christ ascended the glory and we're going to go to glory because he's in glory. Christ is first loved. We're chosen in him. And his people are loved in him. The only reason we're saved is we're redeemed in Him. The only reason God's wrath and justice is turned from us is because He bore it. The only reason the law doesn't have a demand upon us is because He fulfilled it for us. He must have all the preeminence. He must. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the author and finisher of our faith. The Lord Jesus Christ must have all the preeminence. He must. He's the substance, not the shadow. You see, people get yoked up in the shadows. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord. The Old Testament sacrifices were shadows. Just shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, and He is the substance. And beloved, He must have all the preeminence. Oh, let's just praise His name. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before Thy throne. We saw tonight how the false teachers were trying to yoke Your people under the bondage of the law. But oh, what liberty and freedom we have in Christ Jesus our Lord, who is our rest, our Sabbath. And all the Old Testament types and shadows are fulfilled in you, Lord Jesus. May we just stand in awe this week. May we, may we meditate upon what we've heard tonight. May we just think upon it daily in our lives that you are the substance of all those types and shadows. You must have all the preeminence. And we, we seek to give you that, Lord. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.